This is a Forwardly podcast. Welcome to Grief Talks, Hope Answers with Dr. Melanie Beam, where we equip you with the tools you need to foster growth and recovery during difficult times. Welcome to Grief Talks, Hope Answers. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Beam. Today is going to be a powerful broadcast, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. Our topic this week is going to be the unfinished things that keep us stuck when it comes to grief. So without further ado, let's welcome our special guest to the program, Chaplain Barbell Ray. Thank you for being on the program. Could you share with our audience a little bit about your background? Wow. Well, thank you for the invite, and I'm honored honored to be here, Melanie. Um, a little bit about me. I was born in Canada, an only child, and uh, went through a lot of different things in life, but my faith has kept me uh, very much so. Um, I'm a chaplain. I'm a grief specialist. Uh, I do coaching, speaking, leading a celebration of life services just to be present with people when they're hurting and leading grief classes online. One-on-one is my specialty currently. That is wonderful. And as a chaplain and a mentor and a coach, um, I like to call it, you are like the trifecta because (laughs) I'm sure that you have the opportunity to affect the lives of people in their grief journey. It's something that I didn't seek out, but it is such an honor when people come and talk to me or refer to me and they're able to move forward um, when they've been feeling so stuck in their pain and their heartache and also in isolation with COVID and all the things going on. When they do the work, it's it's like they get this light bulb moment and, and then their shoulders are not feeling so heavy and they can surely move forward. And I think that in our society right now, um, not only in America, but around the world, we are finding that a lot of people are really feeling as though that everything they've experienced throughout this last year with COVID has been isolating for sure. Very much so, the whole routine is changed. Um, every, everybody's hesitating as they make decisions about get-togethers, uh, and special holidays, let alone funerals and things like that that are restricted as well as any group setting. And that can be really difficult and challenging for not only individuals, but families as well, especially when you brought up about funerals. And there have been so many families that have lost a loved one over this last year that they weren't able to have something as simple as a funeral that, you know, we often considered, you know, that just to be something that we often take for granted. And a lot of families feel like they've been robbed of that particular event, you know, that they have been, you know, essentially placed in a position where they weren't allowed to really have an opportunity to come together, celebrate the life of that loved one. 
and that can leave a lot of challenges with an individual when it comes to how they are dealing with their grief. Sure, our society tends to say stuff it anyway our feelings you know like after three days we're we're to be back to work and smiley and happy and and to not be able to have a funeral service it's part of that process of closure part of that process of saying goodbye to that person of talking uh, with people in the family family and friends about stories it's so important for healing so when that doesn't happen, or, or people are saying to their families, you know, I don't want a service, I just don't recommend it because you have to get out those things that you're storing in your heart, you know, your special memory when auntie or grandma or whoever that special person is. And you know, the thing is, is that when you have an opportunity to share with each other, you know, what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, the memories that you shared together, you know, it really does allow a person to feel as though they're being supported or that they're being heard. And I think that through this completely different, you know, aspect of how people have been grieving through COVID, they're not only grieving the loss of loved ones, but they're also um, grieving the loss of a job or maybe you know it has been the loss of freedom to be able to you know come and go as freely as we have been able to do and that has really been heartbreaking for a lot of individuals because there's so much uncertainty that surrounds the information that we've received about yes, you can go to this family function as long as there are 10 people or less, or no, don't go to the grocery store, you know, unless it's on limited hours, you know, where they're monitoring how many people come through the door. Those are losses that we have experienced that a lot of us really found was a huge adjustment, don't you think? Oh, absolutely because everything that you're doing just in your normal every day, you know, you're gonna go cook supper. Oh, you're not supposed to go to the grocery store or um, there's a lot of things that were missing in the beginning of COVID um, that people were, were kind of hoarding some things. Um, the stresses of having a mask on uh, with hot flashes, <laughs> with feelings of claustrophobia with um, not being able to see, I think the most important is not being able to see the expression on people because we read people, not just what they say. We read them with their faces and their smiles and the greeting and I miss the smiles and I miss the hugs, you know? And that's powerful. You know, that really is powerful because I know um, many people have got loved ones who are in nursing homes or facilities and they found themselves in a position where all they wanted to do was go and visit that family member and they would stand at the window and put their hands on the window and, and their loved one in the nursing home did the same thing and it just wasn't the same you know it wasn't that intimate interaction that yes you really hit the nail on the head hug that person, you know, be able to be there with them and, and see those faces and, and be able to just enjoy the moment. 
And a lot of people felt as though that they were robbed of that. And that loss was really hard to process. And I think it even caused many people to feel anger and sadness and, you know, at some point frustration. Very much so because you feel so helpless when you've got someone in the hospital, in a home, um, they're already uh, feeling lonely. There's just so many that are sitting not having visitors and they can't touch their loved ones. They can't see them uh, or when they're really ill. I mean, the families are desperate, begging doctors. Can there be a visitor? Please, can you arrange something? Can there be two of us? And sometimes they're allowing one. Um, when that person passes away, let's say they pass away and you are not able to hug them and not able to be there and hold their hand. The feeling of that is, there's so many feelings come from that, that again, causes more things to be on the heart and the shoulders and the head of, of feeling helpless and feeling, some people describe this time as, as, as like being in a war zone where you just, or in a bad movie where you just wait, you know, is this not gonna be our, our normal tomorrow? Are we gonna wake up and it's gonna be all back to normal and everything's gonna be okay? Or, or is this our new normal? And how does that look? You mentioned about job loss, that and insecurity. Okay, do I pay that bill? How am I going to do this? Oh, some are homeschooling their children. They've taken in their family who have been ill. They're not getting a break. They're not getting the support. Maybe they're not getting the rest. And so they're again feeling trapped and, and just feeling without hope and, and alone. And that's an awful feeling because we were made to be in a community. We were made to, to enjoy each other's community. Just talking, just being, having coffee. I miss that. The restaurants are closed. I can't even go. You know, if you're going to go, you have to sit outside. Well, you know, it was raining. So I don't know. I don't want to do that when it's raining. <laughs> but, you know, that's just one day. But all the things that change of our normal things. So we're grieving those major changes. You know, everything on the news, there's so much. Fear. There's so much misinformation, um, conflicting information. Uh, you know, who do you believe? What do you believe? What is, you know, what is a good and safe thing to even make decisions, you know, about the vaccine or not? Or, you know, and I'm, I think, to be fair, I think that people are doing what they can. And I think, you know, we've had you know, viruses every year. And, and, you know, I'm sure this one's different in, in what they're saying, but still, if you're feeling rotten, stay at home. You know, don't share it, wash, you know, they're, they're doing more cleaning in places, you know, the grocery carts and they're doing more cleaning and nursing homes. Well, they needed to do that anyway. There was some times where the slack was not picked up and there was things going on. And so, I think if we can look at anything that we're thankful for every day, if we can count five things, 
and we think about those things in the morning and at night. If we can look at the positives of, okay, this is a tough time, but I have food in my fridge and in my pantry. And I have blankets and I have safety around me. You know? And just to count anything that you can as a blessing, just to keep going and not stuff those feelings, journal them, you know, talk about them. Call somebody, you know, call up a prayer line, call somebody that, that you can talk to um, that will listen, that cares. And you're talking to someone out of the situation, you know? That's right. And I think that a lot of it really plays into sometimes we just need to be heard, you know, and, and if we feel like that we don't have anyone to talk to, there are places that you can reach out to and speak to someone and, and, and grief recovery, um, the work that you and I both do, we find people gravitate toward us because that's exactly what they want. They need somebody who's willing to listen to them in a non-judge in a non-judgmental zone and offer support and a heart with ears. But at the same time, allow them to be able to say whatever is on their heart that they need to say. And I think that, you know, when we look at this, it can affect your, your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit, you know. And I love what you said about find five things that you can be grateful for today. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to think about what Chaplain Ray has said, is that take an opportunity, you know, just take a, a few minutes of quiet time and identify today, what are five things in your life that you can say, wow, you know what, I'm really grateful for that today. Because in the midst of all of the negativity that we hear, when we hear negativity day in and day out, and sometimes the reports are frightening and sometimes they're frustrating. But if we stop and take a moment and say, you know, if I look at where I am right now, can I find five things that I'm grateful for? Or maybe you say, maybe I'll find three things that I'm grateful for today. But it allows you to get your eyes off of all of that negativity and begin to focus on what is it in your life that you truly can be grateful for. And it's calming and it allows you to have an opportunity to kind of recenter all of that negativity that is coming against you. And I believe that, you know, when we are looking at how to be able to look at each day, especially if you're in a place where um, you're struggling, you're finding challenges and, and knowing that you're not alone and that you don't have to walk that journey by yourself. And for those of you, you know, who are looking for that, um, kind of outlet, um, would you be able to share with our audience, you know, what you feel would be a great start, that if they begin to sit down and look at those five things that they can be grateful for today, what could their next step be? I would suggest just putting everything into a journal, and this can be something from a dollar store, not fancy anything, just, just whatever paper. And to just 
release those different things that are on your heart, the worries, the what ifs, the uh, I wish this was different. I'm, I'm, I'm scared about this. And just lay it all out there. And putting it out there means we're not stuffing it. But there needs to be more. Uh, grief recovery, what I appreciate about it, well, many things, but because it helped me so much of, of hurts that I didn't even know that were so deep in my socks that I hadn't even really felt safe to maybe communicate them or you know I didn't want to trouble people or but this is far more than support because it gives tools it gives specific things to do which are tangible things and it I just wish it was taught everywhere because it really does work it really does and it's so exciting to work with clients and to see how they begin to embrace the resources and the tools that we share with them and understand that we've been through the grief recovery method ourselves before we come become um, grief specialists. And it allows us to really be able to understand how in our grief struggles, in our grief journey, that we were able to utilize these tools and resources personally and how they affected us and changed our lives. And, you know, I really do appreciate that as well because you and I can really be a testament to the grief recovery method that not only have we been a participant, but we have the honor and the privilege to work with fellow grievers and help them in their grief journey so that it gives them that outlet. It gives them a safe place to be able to be. And one of the things um, that I love, Barbell, about what you um you kind of look at as your motto is making a difference wherever God places you. I think this is so powerful and I love that this is the motto that you have adopted. Would you share with our listeners a little bit about that motto? Because I think when you really break it down and you listen to the words, making a difference wherever God places you, that's special. God gives us all different gifts, different burdens in our heart. Um, we can choose to be bitter or better, you know, for whatever comes into our life. But if we don't process it, we stuff it, it's got to come out somewhere. So it'll come out as a headache or a stomach ache or worse. Um, making a difference is, is being open to when people talk to me, you know, when I'm shopping or or one-on-one -on -one online they don't have to worry about COVID they don't have to worry about driving somewhere wherever the the advanced specialist is that they connect with it's you know it's completely safe and confidential and they can talk about um, the relationships and find some closure with those tools making a difference is important to me because God's done so much for me I've been through a lot, but I can truly, truly say that through that, through those hard times, he always brought something good. He made me more tender, so I wasn't bitter. 
he helped me to understand and empathize with those that were struggling with things that were just horrible things. And what they needed, and as a chaplain as well, is, is just to be present. To, to, I like how Job and his, you know, the initial part his friends did right, where they just sat with him and they didn't talk. And then they talked and kind of things went down the tubes. But when they just sat present and just were there, um, I remember when, when my stepson passed away. Uh, he was about nine years old. And it was very sudden. Uh, he had some health issues and such. And I had people say to me, oh, well, he wasn't your son. You know, it, it's, you know, they didn't send a card or they didn't say, uh, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Because that's really all you can say. There are no magic words. It's better to say nothing and be present or, or to say something like, would it be helpful? Would you like to come to dinner or would you like me to bring you a dinner on Thursday? You know, give them a choice. You know, don't force them to socialize if they don't feel up to it, but you're making sure they have a nutritious meal and, and, you're, and you're, you're still showing that care and being present in that, you know, I had some of my step family, they came and they spent time with me that day. I didn't ask. And they couldn't have done something kinder. It was such a hard day. Um, so many tears. And yet they made sure I was safe that I didn't have to drive that day. They made sure that I ate. They made sure that they were with me because they knew it was going to be really hard. So just coming alongside and listening is so important. Um, but as grief specialists, you know, we those tools make all the difference because it's not like a support group where you go to and you, it seems like you talk about the same things over and over and that's it. You know, a year from now or two years, you know, where this you're having tools so that in seven to 10 weeks, you're having some tangible tools on how to tackle things, to find some completion. You're able to take those tools. So when something else changes in your life, um, you know, moving is, is a loss. Uh, when somebody has Alzheimer's, that anticipa anticipatory grief is so hard because you don't know. There's 400 different kinds of dementia. And you're, you don't know what that person has and the doctors can't really tell you. So that all what if, the, the, the fear, the, the scary things, it can feel so out of control. And yet when you're in a safe place and you're tackling those things, you're not stuffing them. You're not avoiding them. Um, when we talk about avoiding, of course, it's the extremes of you know, eating, drinking, um, substances, television, um, other addictions, whatever the extreme is, doesn't help and it actually hurts. And it doesn't help with the healing process at all. So to move forward takes courage, but you know what? Every time that somebody does the work, every single time, and I've been doing the grief work since 2004, and I wish I had the tools that gave me the tools. 
for those I mentioned and myself. Yes. And I so appreciate you sharing your personal experiences because what it really allows us to see is that sometimes in our grief journey, we feel like we're the only one that feels that way, or we're the only one experiencing what we're experiencing. And in grief recovery, we never compare losses. We never compare our grief because we're unique and individual um, people. And we're going to grieve in a unique and individual way. However, I like the word that you used in order, you know, what you've experienced in your losses and in your grief journey has allowed you to be sympathetic, you know, and empathetic toward those that you work with. And I think as a um, grief specialist, we count it as a joy to come alongside of a fellow griever because we want to be that encourager. We want to empower them, you know, to be able to have those resources and tools and come alongside of them and help them navigate through this process because we know what it's like to feel alone in that process or feel as though no one hears us or, you know, often society will basically use those common myths, you know, to, to help console us during our grief when they're not helpful at all, but people have good intentions. It's just the fact that, you know, society teaches us how to collect things, how to add things to our life, but it doesn't teach us what to do when we lose things in our life. And so, you know, that's what the grief recovery method really does provide. And we're just so honored to be a part of that journey, you know, and as we work with clients, we get in, in the trenches with you, you know, we, we get in there and if it's messy, we're going to get in there and, and get in the mess with you, you know, and you're not alone. And so I just think that's such a, a beautiful opportunity for us to really be there for one another. And, you know, I think that, in the Bible, that's exactly what the idea is, is that we're to lift each other up, you know, when, when one is down, the other one's there to encourage, you know, and vice versa. And so it really does bring comfort when you know that you have an opportunity to actually move forward in your grief journey. And, uh, and remember that it's only grief is only part of your life story. It's not all of the story, but it, it plays a part. And so, you know, I really appreciate you sharing about your particular loss because this gives our listeners an opportunity to understand that we all experience loss in one way, shape, or form in our lives. And sometimes it's really hard to see clearly how we're going to navigate through it. And so I, I think that this really brings us into this next section, which I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on. Um, when we talked about our discussion today is focused on the idea of the unfinished things that can keep us stuck in our grief. And I really do think that this is an amazing um, idea that 
a lot of us are going to be able to identify with. And you have a very unique and relevant way of addressing and identifying those areas. So I would love for you to take the opportunity right now and share a few examples that are that are on your heart tonight of those areas that can keep us stuck in our grief. And what do you see as options to be able to help work through those, those particular areas? Well, thank you for those kind words. If, if someone is dealing with grief, they're dealing with a broken heart. So whatever has broken that heart, that relationship is unique to them. Even in the same family, it's unique to that person. Um, unfinished things are like, my biological father was a bit of a sinker at times. And in his own hurt, he would, work to excess. He would drink to excess because he didn't want to feel the feelings. He felt less. And no matter what he accomplished, which he did, he did accomplish a lot of neat things. He himself didn't feel good about himself. And I didn't understand that until I understood a little bit more about my grief journey, my own um, healing journey. But he was just stuck in that. And and I was so unfinished with the relationship, even as he got a type of Alzheimer's and um, as things changed in life, it, he could never be what I needed him to be. So I was stuck. I was so stuck in wishing that he could be different, that, he, that our relationship could be better or more. And this was not likely to happen. And just to back up just a little bit is, is I had uh, spent some time and um, had, had a holiday with him, which I really hesitated on going. But that gave me such an ability to be there for him and take care of him and do the things that he needed so that he felt nurtured in his own spirit. And he... You know, he said to me some sweet things that I never heard. And, you know, he wished that he was able to, to be a better father for me and to be able to do the things and spend time more with me. And, and I was able to, because I had already processed those things, a process of things that I was not, um, I was able to be present and to be able to help him in that process and to to say, you know, I, I've already forgiven you for that. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad at you anymore. And so the things that, that keep us stuck is, you know, even if I didn't have that opportunity, what I really like about grief recovery is even if that person isn't in your life anymore, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're, they've passed on, they're estranged, it's just, you know, life changes. This is totally separate. You don't do the graphs and the letters and these and the things that are really specific. Uh, you do them for your own healing. And this is how you get unstuck because 
the things that you so wish were different with, you know, a grandma, an auntie, a neighbor, um, a spouse, a former spouse, um, all those unfinished things stay on our heart and just collect. And they collect like rocks, it seems, and, and they're heavy to carry. And if we keep carrying these things, we're not really open to new people, to new situations, to new relationships, maybe to a new job or a new city. Because when we're feeling really weighed down and the isolation today is not helping, we're just, we're sitting in it. But when we deal with these things, we're not carrying all this. And, you know, it doesn't conflict with any faith that somebody has. They can just get out those things that they wish were different, that they really appreciated, that they really didn't appreciate. And it also looks at, I know the word forgiveness can, can be really a difficult one when it comes to abuse and that kind of thing and you know it's it's so that you're not carrying it you're not condoning the abuse at all there's there's no abuse that's okay but you're not going to carry it anymore you're going to let it go so that you can move forward and you're not going to let that person have that power anymore and from a family that 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 some, you know, go to excess in some of the behaviors and some of the things they do, they're doing it out of their hurt heart because they don't have the tools and they're scared to, to tackle it. But this is tangible stuff that works. So if we don't deal with that, it, it just, it, it's this rocks we're carrying again. Because we end up, you know how they say that when something happens today, we respond to it maybe 10% and 90% is likely what happened before. Well, this is like this too, because when we're tackling it, we're not gonna be so reactive because we're, we've dealt with it. We've dealt with it on such a deep level that, that it, it's a, it's a bunch of layers. It's not just one layer, you know? And it's like, um, I'm not caring that anymore. They did the best they could, you know, with my biological father, he did the best he could with what he had. And he didn't intentionally set out, you know, how can I hurt my daughter? That's not what he did. He just lived in his own hurt. And this is the best that he could come up with. And he had his regrets and such, but he, from what I understand, I wasn't right there, but he died peacefully. And he was able to enjoy his last few years in a different way. And had I not been able to come to a point where I was able to release him and to be able to, to see some good in him, when he had, you know, he had beaten my mom. He had done some bad things. And again, I'm not condoning that abuse. I mean, that was traumatic. It was awful. 
again, he was doing it out of his own pain. So as I processed that, I was able to let go of that and go, you know, I'm not carrying that anymore. It isn't my fault what he did or didn't do. I can only do what I can today. And so do I choose to be bitter or better? Do I choose to move forward? Or do I want to stay in this pain and, and be prickly like uh, a porcupine that doesn't allow people near them, that doesn't let people hug them and let them into their heart? That's painful to see. That's so painful because people are not wanting to move forward. They're not wanting help. And that's one of the really hard things when you, when you care and you come alongside somebody and you know it's still their choice it's still their choice of what they do with their pain but I guarantee this program works and I'm not saying that for any reason other than it does I have not seen it not work because it tackles the relationship one at a time of those significant relationships that have unfinished things that we didn't say or we wish we said, or we wish we hadn't said, and it's getting out those those things, whatever they are, so that we're not carrying them. And I, think, and I think a lot of times that as grievers, we really focus on all of the regrets, and you know we allow that to affect every area of our life because we you know we look at it and and if we ask the question. What do I wish was different, better, or more of, you know, if we ask the question in that way, we would be able to identify, you know, particular areas that, you know, would help us to be able to understand how are we going to address the grief that we're experiencing. But oftentimes we get stuck in the regret you know, category, and we start thinking about, well, I wish that I would have told them this, or I wish that I would have done that, and, you know, I could have handled this situation better, or maybe I should have been there more, and, you know, we all find ourselves in that situation, you know, at one point or another, and I think that you, you really gave us a, a great example of how this is an opportunity in the grief recovery method to look at that specific relationship as a whole and then say, what are the things that I wish that I could have said, but I didn't, you know, and we provide you with those tools to be able to allow your feelings to have a voice. And, you know, that's what I love about this is because oftentimes grievers who may have been grieving for 30 years over a relationship felt like they, like you said, they kept stuffing it down, stuffing it down. And because that's what society tells us to do. And people get real uncomfortable when you start talking about your losses and, and grief. And so, you know, we begin to believe that. And then we say, well, you know what, I don't want to burden anybody. And, you know, they don't understand so I'm just going to push it down. And, you know, then 30 years go by and I have 
carried this grief with me from every relationship and everything that I've done. And it may affect your health. It may affect your mental health. It may affect your marriages or relationships with family members or friends or coworkers. And then you find yourself in a state of despair, you know, and that is what is so exciting about the work that we do, because we know that it is proven, it is a successful opportunity to have those resources and those tools to say, not only can I work on that one relationship, I can actually apply it to every relationship that I have past and present and even those relationships in the future that just haven't happened yet. But when something comes up, I have a way to be able to handle the feelings that I feel, the grief or the loss that I may experience. And I can do it successfully and continue to progress forward and have a happy and rewarding and meaningful life, you know? And I just think this is, so exciting. And I hope listeners, you can really hear that um, Chaplain Ray and I are very passionate about what we do. (laughs) It's just so exciting. It is because it's, we don't want to keep going in circles. And the distracting doesn't work. You know, I've met people that even hoarding is, is a something that can come out of grief of an unfinished relationship. It's often, even when you talk to people and you see their programs and they're trying to do something that gets out their feelings, but it's not helping them. It's keeping other people away, you know, and and they're still silent in their pain or they're, they're working so much. They don't have to feel or think. That's not healthy. We need that balance. Jesus taught us to, and in the Bible, it talks about taking the Sabbath day, whatever day it is, it doesn't matter, you know, because it's a business, just work or whatever. The point is to take that day. And, and God didn't need to take the day, and Jesus didn't need to take the day, but he taught us, you know, go into nature, take that quiet time away, you know, with all our cell phones and computers, turn them off. Give yourself permission. Talk to people ahead of time if you need to. You know, I'm not going to be available between this and this on this day. Uh, don't worry about me. I'm fine. But this is something I need to do for self-care. And what a difference just to sit in nature and, and watch a butterfly. Watch, you know, see the little babies of nature, the birds, the cows, the horses, the wherever we are. And, and to look at the beauty and get perspective. Because as we look at the things we're thankful for, that we can count as things we're uh, great about today, the blessing, we also get perspective from our pain. Because it's not all good and it's not all bad. And neither are the relationships or the people. They may have done bad things, but they're not all bad and they're not all good. They're human. Right? And that, I tell you, that is so true. And so in these last few moments of our broadcast, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just share 
what's on your heart. If you have um, a scripture that you would like to share, or if you just have something that you really feel like you would like to impart to our listeners today. Sometimes people feel that they have to use fancy words or filter words to God. And I initially thought that many years ago. But you know what? He knows our thoughts, even when we can't cry or we can't stop crying. He hears our hearts and the groanings of our hearts. God is so interested in us that he knows how many hairs are on each of our heads. Now that changes every day for some of us more than others, right? And, but, but on a serious note, you know, his thoughts toward us every day are like the, the grains of sand or the stars in the sky. Well, nobody could count what those are. And so no matter what we do, if I, if I guess if I could say something is no matter what we do, or don't do. God's love for us never changes. And he's at the door and we can choose to let him in or not. He still loves us the same. But I'll say when you do, that support, that freedom, when we can really accept that he loves us no matter what and that we can go to him and bring anything. I mean, his email is never full. His voicemail is never full. You can, 24 hours a day, he's not too busy. He's not sleeping. He's not in a meeting. He's there. And, and it, yeah, on a human side, it's hard to, to understand that. But he really, really wants us to talk to him, to, to pray, to, to ask for help and for strength daily. That we're not, you know, trying to go in our own strength or our own wisdom. It it's something I did in 1977, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life. Amen. That is wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for giving us such powerful insight about a very important topic when we feel stuck in our grief and you really shared some amazing personal experiences tonight and I think that we are going to have many listeners who are really going to feel as though that speaks to their heart and let them know that they're not alone and so if you would like to learn more about Chaplain Ray's work her goal is to help you feel validated in your pain help you learn tools so that you can find completion in those unfinished relationships and those dreams. So you can embrace not only the present, but the future. And her specialty is doing grief recovery work one-on-one online over a seven to 10 week period. And she's willing to speak at any size group about what grief is and how to tackle it, which is extremely important in the world that we live in right now. If you're feeling stuck, feel like you're going in circles, then contact Chaplain Barbell Ray today 
and we are actually going to put her contact information in the description. So please feel free if you if you heard anything today that you feel like um, really speaks to your heart about grief, the journey that you've been on, um, that forgiveness that she talked about. There were so many different avenues that you may find that something in there just really quickens your heart and you would like to talk with someone further in a safe and confidential and caring environment. And so I just want to encourage you to check out her contact information and um, and don't hesitate, you know, don't wait, don't walk through your grief journey one more day alone. And so as always, as we end this broadcast today, I want you to remember today is the first day of the rest of your life.